This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. For me, Advent has always been about contemplating the coming of Christ. I never looked at it as a season of penance. In this episode, I'm joined by three friends, and we discuss the real meaning of the Advent season. I'm sure with a better understanding, I will now have a Christmas that is truly merry and bright. Joining me along the way to help me understand this, as always, is my good friend Dave Imhoff, Jay Goodman, and host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard on the Guadalupe Radio Network, Joe McLean. Tonight, I, I am joined by my good friend, Joe McLean, the Catholic hack. Are you still going by that, Joe? Uh, yeah, I do go by that on occasion, especially like on my my Twitter feed, places like that, for sure. Yeah. It's good to be on with you, David. Thanks yeah, for having yeah. me on. No, it's, it's you know, we got some things to talk about. Keep our, always keeping our good friend, Mark Hauk, in, in, uh, in prayer as he's going through some, some times right now. But Mark was a guest here on, on Along the Way. Fantastic guest to have. And what a great guy. What a great family man. And what a, a warrior for the pro-life movement. And we always keep him in prayer. Hey, we're also joined by my good friend. The only other guy to ever sit in this seat without sitting in this seat is my good friend, Jay Goodman. Jay, Sergeant First Class Jay Goodman. How you doing, man? Aloha, Dave. Thanks for having me. Joe, can you imagine the times back when you were back in the Marine Corps and you, were, you mm-hmm. would have been told that you were going to be stationed in Hawaii? I was stationed in Hawaii. Oh, I you lived were? There for, I lived there for Kaneway Bay. I was 24. I lived there hey. for uh, three years. And uh, whew, it's a great place to be stationed. Wow. So you would know when I say, Peo oi, how's it bra? How's it bra? Oh, yeah. You got to love that. Uh, what, what, what do they call that? Uh, pig something pigeon. or other? Yeah, pigeon. P- pigeon. Yeah, a pigeon. Yeah, that's what it was. That's hilarious. And Good times, My pigeon has become strong. <laughs> And we're going to be joined by uh, also my producer, David Imhoff, my good friend, as we uh, we talk about Advent and the Christmas season. And uh, I asked Joe McLean to come in and, and talk about what is Christmas? What is the Advent and Christmas season? What's the difference? You know, it's an os- a wonderful opportunity. I always think of Advent as the, like mini Lent, right? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a penitential season, according to the tradition of the church. And uh, we have to embrace it because uh, just like we, when we prepare uh, during the season of Lent, we're preparing for Passion Week, the pas- Passion, uh, Death, and Resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now we are preparing for uh, his incarnation, that moment when all of the universe took a deep breath because God took upon flesh and dwelt among men. I mean, this is a pivotal moment in the story of salvation history. And the Christian should prepare himself or herself for this moment. And traditionally, that's exactly what's happened. So uh, it's penitential, it's meditative, it's contemplative, and we can uh, spend all of our Advent in uh, doing this and getting ready. And then, of course, making sure we make use of things like adoration and uh, extra devotionals, uh, going to confession, of course, making a good and holy confession prior to to the feast as it kicks off on December the 25th. You know, unfortunately, we live in a day and an age where everybody celebrates Christmas. They begin celebrating Christmas in October now. I, I saw mm-hmm. Christmas lights up in October in yeah. in Walmart. I mean, it's just, I mean, Halloween hadn't even happened and they're already starting to decorate for Christmas. It was just crazy to me. And then, of course, we're surrounded by people who want to get in the Christmas spirit and then they put up lights and then December 25th happens and December the 26th, they shut them off. It's like, yeah. done. And we're just getting started, and they're ending, and it. We feel like we feel like the uh, the you know the, the musical chairs. The music stopped, and we don't have a chair anymore. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it feels. But Christmas comes, and we have this wonderful octave to celebrate one very long day. Just kind of the same thing we do at Easter time. We so we have one very long day, Easter season. Well, Christmas season's the same way. We have these these days of feasting in celebration of the incarnation of the Lord. And what a celebration it truly is. Uh, As a family, one of the devotions that we really enjoy is the devotion to St. Nicholas. And so uh, we, every year now, for many years, we we actually, my wife, you know, last couple of years, she stepped up her game. We used to go just visit a guy uh, who, a Dutchman, who uh, dresses up as Bishop Nicholas, not jolly old saint, but the Bishop Nicholas, and uh, he would come nearby to a place, and we would go visit him for years. Well, now we've purchased our own. We have two costumes now. Not one, but we have two. We have two of our own Bishop Nicholas costumes, and now we do a whole thing 
at our parish uh, with Bishop Nicholas, and it's just a great feast day on the 12th of, uh, 12th of December. Uh, or the 10th of December, rather. So, I mean, it's just wonderful opportunity for for families to not only prepare, but then to get into full feasting mode uh, during this holy season of Christmas. And so it's a joyous time, to be sure. Joe, you said that it's a, a season of, of penance and also um, of contemplation. I understand the contemplation. Where does the penance come from? Again, it's like a mini Lent, uh, and so it's the same sentiment as we have during the season of Lent where we're preparing ourselves mm-hmm. uh, for what's about to happen. So same thing. You, you, you know, if you think about it in the same way, for instance, we why we hold the Sabbath so special. You got six days. You got six days to do all your work. You got six days to do the things you're doing. You know, keep holy the Sabbath. So make that one day very special. In the same mindset, you 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 do things all year. And so there's times during the year where you take a break from the things that you do. Uh, And so you want to pause, you want to recollect, and you want to reconcile. And then, of course, we want to be intentional as Catholics. We want to be very intentional about how do we go about that reconciliation? Do we we have control over our disordered passions? And uh, although we ought to be doing this every single day, uh, as Catholic men, we must master our disordered passions. And uh, examining our conscience and having a routine uh, confession and then obviously conversation with our confessors helps us to do those very same things. But there are seasons during the calendar year where we go above and beyond. Lent is one of those examples. Rogation days are another examples of when we we do uh, extra penances, uh, first Saturday devotions, first Friday devotions. All of these things are examples of when we say, you know what? We are going to go above and beyond today. We're going to do acts of reparation. We're going to do acts of penance. The holy season of Advent is one of those seasons for us where we aren't just preparing for a good time at Christmas, but rather we are preparing for the incarnation of Christ. We are preparing to meet the Lord like the 10 virgins with their lamps. We want to make sure ours is full. We don't want to get caught when he shows up with with, uh, empty lamps. So how do we fill our lamps? We fill that by living in a state of grace, by doing acts of reparation for the sins that we have committed, the sins our family has committed. We make good and holy confession, so we reconcile our, ourselves with God, and we prepare. We are we are aligning our will with God's holy will in anticipation of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it is a, it's a season of penance, and that's been the tradition of the church. The, uh, the church traditionally, in, in preparing for Christmas, has uh, seen this as a season of penance. But uh, it's it's not penance as in Debbie Downer. It's penance as in what a joy, what a grace, mm-hmm. you know, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. So uh, it's it's sort of a two-for-one special, right? You get joy and you get an opportunity to be penitential. Jay, I want to switch to you for a minute because you did such a great job with the uh, screw tape letters that maybe you can speak to a little bit about that penitential thought process and what you experienced going through that time. Well, I think the bearded former Marine literally stole my script. <laughs> no. Semper Fi. <laughs> um, no, I, I, re- I resonate with what he said, and I'm not going to say any buts, because um, it was awesome. It was very well put, succinct, to the point. I also look at, at Advent like a pre-Lent, kind of like you're at the same dinner, but you're doing an appetizer, which is just as good as the regular dinner. But not as it can be deep, but it's not meant to be totally about death. Whereas Lent is about, you know, memento mori, um, dying to yourself, uh, learning how to be very purgative, um, purgative and uh, lots of confessions, emptying of yourself. And that's like with the screw tape letters, that's what I did is I emptied myself onto the screen, onto video for all to see. And I held back a little bit just because I'm still in the army. And so I got to be careful at least for another year. So I'm in that safe zone. I can start doing what I want to do, say what I want to say, speak out more and they can't do anything to me. (laughs) But uh, it's nice to get to that point where I can start saying no more and and putting more uh, Jesus-y things on my desk at work and not be afraid of, it's sad that I have to be that way. But but anyway, that's how I see Advent is it's a a pre-Lent. It's the beginnings of a memento mori where you don't necessarily need to put the skull on your desk. Uh, and look at it all the time, but you you probably could, you know, maybe put it out there a little bit and start thinking about that and put to think of things you want to put to death 
during Advent and how Jesus, he became a man and he died for us and all the, the deathly memento mori-ish things he did through his life, his short life, honestly, 33 years and how dying to myself, giving myself to my family. There's an awesome formula I've taught my youth group at church because I'm a youth group leader there for a white disciple group. It kind of sums it all up, but it's uh, self-awareness plus self-giving equals self-mastery. And it's that self-awareness part that you get as you grow older, but the self-giving to, to die to yourself and give to others and, and pour yourself out to everybody around you, which is extremely difficult because I have pride and I have selfishness and, you know, so it's very difficult sometimes to give to my wife and my kids. And, and I hate that about myself, but Advent is a time to start noticing that more in myself and start purposely going out of my way to die to myself in preparation for Christmas. You know, and then when Christmas hits, it's celebration, man. It is go crazy for those however many days we celebrate, even into February at, at times, you know. Joe, how does your spirituality change during the uh, the Advent season? It is, again, it's the opportunity to be intentional, right? And uh, to, to take full advantage, you know. So you want to maximize your chances at growing in grace. And so uh, one of the things that we can do uh, is to really be introspective and find, you know, and be honest about our weaknesses and where, where our faults are. Mm -hmm. You know, patience is a problem I have. Uh, I want it. I want it right now. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so God often gives me opportunities to, to be patient and I have to learn to accept those opportunities and, and respond with grace into his graces. And, and that's hard. That's hard for me. So that's some of the things that I like to focus on when I'm in my penitential seasons, whether it's Lent or in Advent and, you know, slowing down, being more, being more intentional, uh, working on my, my vices, working on my weaknesses, making sure that I'm spending quality time, more time, focused time with my family. And my wife, of course, being the heart of the home, she really has she really has a whole season worked out in her head. <laughs> you know, and she's got like, uh, you know, she's got a whole calendar that she, I'm, and I'm not even joking. She does have a whole calendar downstairs. Like she's, she put it on a huge poster board every year, same thing. And I'm just like, oh man, I mean, is that going to work with my schedule? I don't even know, you know? So, but uh, saying no to the world, yes to, to Christ, yes to my family, you know, those are opportunities. And, you know, in doing small, the little things too, uh, my wife, another one of the things that she likes to do, I'm sure all wives are, are genetically disposed this way, but for whatever reason, they need everybody to wear the same uniform. Mm -hmm. Mom, dad, and all the kids wearing, dressing exactly alike, you know, at certain, certain points along this uh, Advent and Christmas journey. Mm -hmm. And I still don't understand, how, like, where did that come from? Why do we do this? Like, I got out of the Marine Corps, so I'm dressed like other people, but nonetheless... Here we are. So like offering that up and accepting those little those little things, those little annoyances. You know, those are very intentional moments. And then, of course, you know, your prayer life. How is your prayer life? Uh, I try uh, more and more to uh, to make sure that I'm sticking to my prayer life. I remember my confessor, you know, I was, uh, you know, in confession. And I was talking about how I was struggling with my, my prayer life and I would be I would lack consistency. And he and he basically said to me, well, how important is it to you if you're lacking consistency? You know, I bet, I bet he goes, I bet I can find some very consistent things in your life that you do every time, you know, chocolate or whatever it is, coffee. You're very consistent with those things, aren't you? But your prayer life somehow is not super high on the priority list. You know, and as a guy, there's, there's something to that, right? Like where there's a will, there's a way. And if we are intentional and if we're dedicated and we persevere, we can accomplish just about whatever we put our minds to. So why don't we apply that same effort towards growing in grace, to grow, towards growing in perfection? So knowing your weaknesses gives you your mission list, gives you what you need to work on, and you just focus on those things. Of course, uh, then, then again, your prayer life has to be very consistent. So when are you going to pray? What are you praying? And then, of course, praying with your wife, praying with your children, praying with your family. And that goes for women, too, praying with their husbands, praying with their 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 children. So, you know, we are we very blessed. We developed the habit years ago now to, to, to pray the Holy Rosary every single night. And we do it uh, no matter what time of day it is, no matter what time of night it is. We still pray before bedtime. And then, of course, we also do an, uh, an examination of conscience. 
Now, we offer up our rosary to Our Lady for whatever she wants. So we don't claim intentions in our rosary. That's We give that to Our Lady. But after our rosary, we do pray intentions as a family. And I have my set intentions that are pretty much the same every night. But then we give the chance to to the rest of our family to uh, to offer up their intentions as well. And for whoever else has asked us to pray for them, we, of course, include their intentions in our nightly prayers. And then, of course, in the morning uh, when I'm on my way to work, I get up at 3 a.m. five days a week for uh, to be on Catholic Radio. So before I head out of my house, I'm usually stopping in at my, my chapel here at, here at my home. And I get on my knees and I pray for my family. I pray for my wife in particular so that uh, God will give her extra graces through her day, the kids that will behave themselves and bring peace to our home. And then, of course, I pray for my day and I pray for my team at work so that we have peace in what we do. So, and then, of course, there's then there's your normal, like throughout your day, you know, what we call the spiritual ejaculations, just those those spur the moment conversational moments that you have with the Lord and uh, being, you know, um, not, I, I want to say intentional, but at the same time, I don't. Uh, casual is, I think, a better word here. Mm-hmm. Just uh, how often are we just, you know, throughout our whole day in constant prayer and uh, constant conversation with the Lord? And uh, so that's something I also try to be very intentional about. But all of that is sort of normal. And then you get into Advent and you got to kick it up a notch. And one of the things I like to do to do all of that and then take it a little further, of course, is uh, I like to always during the, these penitential seasons, pick up a spiritual work and work through that during my my season. So usually during Lent, I'm doing things like um, the uh, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence by St. Columbert. And a fantastic little spiritual work. It's a classic. And then in Advent, you know, I try to find something as well, whether it's uh, just reflecting on the gospel passages. You know, I, I always like Benedict XVI's work on, on the Nativity. It's just, he, he it was so very good. So that's always a great uh, thing to do during the season of, of Advent or just in preparation for the incarnation of Christ. But something, right, uh, you know, just find something, work on it. You can work on it slowly. Don't give yourself, you know, too much to, to buy, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew, so, so to speak. But at the same time, be intentional. Just, you know, come up with a plan, stick to your plan. If you fail it, pick it up the very next day and keep going. That, you know, what you said to me just reminds me of a, an interview I just did with uh, Father John Wikes, the director of communications for the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And he was, uh, he was in Rome the title of the show was Nunc Chapi, which means now I begin. So there's, he said, if if I fall a thousand times, I will Nunc Chapi. Now I begin. I will, I will get up and, and begin. So Joe, you know, I, I think what you're saying is, is really shows the genius of our church in that it gives us periods where we need to reassess ourselves and get, get back to basics and, and get rid of those, those, those extraneous things that are just in our way. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing, you know, uh, I, th- I agree 100% with what you just said. That's exactly the way we should be looking at them. They're just real opportunities to uh, to retool, reassess, like retreats for us. But mm-hmm. the other thing that's important during the holy season of Advent, just like it is during the season of Lent, is to uh, to do penance uh, and to, to offer tithes and to uh, offer charitable works towards other people, right? So, uh, you know, whether you're... You, uh, like charitable projects that you can do for other people. So there's lots of things that we can do. Some are big, some are small, some take a lot, some take a little. You know, uh, one thing that uh, we've done on a number of occasions, and I want to say we're doing it this Advent as well, is we take the family, we take the kids, and we go to like a nursing home or something, and, you know, you sing. You you have the kids do uh, skits or read poetry or read the scripture, you know, in front of, uh, folks at nursing homes. And they just love to have the visits. They love, they like the youthful energy there. And so it's a wonderful opportunity. And the other thing we do as a family, we've been doing this for a very long time now, uh, many, many years is every, every advent we, we prepare meals, we package them up in the gift bags that I, I designed, I don't know, better part of 20 years ago now. And uh, I had them printed up many years ago. We still have them. We, it's a never-ending supply in my garage for some odd reason. They never <laughs> run dry. Every year we get the gift bags out, and it's a nativity. 
it's a life uh, nativity. I had my 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 uh, my wife and my son and my dad all dress up like the nativity, Our Lady and Saint Joseph and the shepherds. I took pictures and I designed this bag and put them in a na- in a life size nativity on the bag, gift a little gift bag with lanyards, and we put food in the bag. We we home cook the meal and we buy Tupperware. We put it in the Tupperware. We seal it off and then we put them in these bags. We make all these bags. And then as a family, we go driving looking for homeless people, and we we give out these these bags. Every single year we've been doing this now for, for many, many years, and uh, it's just a blessing. Your kids get to witness firsthand that you're doing something uh, and, you know, generous. You're, you're thinking of not just yourself at this time of the year, but you're thinking of those yeah. that for whatever reason, uh, whatever reason, uh, uh, they are in a terrible circumstance, whether they're, you know, there for – their own responsibility. They're there because, you know, of, uh, of addictions or whatever. It doesn't matter. We don't care. We're not asking, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, to give and to serve and to witness that in front of our children, which is something you can do during these seasons. So Advent is a wonderful chance for families to find something that they could do again, big or small, doesn't have to be too complicated, but uh, either way, we're expected, the church has asked of us during these penitential seasons to be generous, to be charitable, to to tithe, not just to Holy Mother Church, but to give of our time, talent, and treasure to our neighbor who needs it. And uh, there is plenty of chances to do that this season. Jay, um, that that's a great transition to what you and I were talking about a little bit earlier in that here it is, you're, you're a Sergeant First Class, E7, You've been in the Army for over 20 years now. Yeah, 27. All of us here have been in the military or been affiliated with the military somehow. Yeah. You know, there's, there's guys, there's young kids, 18 years old. It's it's probably like their first time away from their family in an environment that they're not quite sure of yet. You know, they're just still finding themselves. How do you, and you know, welcome these guys. How do you, uh, through the Christmas season and, and Advent, what do you do for them? Um, yeah. So kind of to set up the answer, we went to the military chapel, which is right on base. I, I could look at it if I walked outside, it's that close. And at one time it was, it was a bustling, awesome Catholic church. It's since kind of died down because all the cool people left mm. <laughs> but, uh, PC, PCS away. And which means, uh, permanent change of station they've moved on for those that don't know military acronyms uh, but at one time we did have a huge amazing bustling thing before covid and we would target all the single soldiers and do special things for them and like my, my wife and i we would find them and the ones we knew probably more than the others because we just kind of end up being around them a lot we we would do thanksgiving dinner and christmas dinner and invite them all to our house you know have five to seven people that are single with our family and then a couple married couples show up and have a big feast and celebrate them and just give them something to do when they're otherwise they go back to a small barracks room and just sit there uh, i actually made a video for a lady at church for a single soldier food drive to bring them little um, christmas sacks to put on their doorknob in the barracks and i i, I do videography on the side and uh as you know with screw tape letters mm-hmm. and so I made a video and it showed a girl. I, I told her when I was getting it ready for production, I said, I, I really want you to kind of tap into the sadness you have felt when you're alone in your barracks room, just sitting there staring at the wall on Christmas day, like for real, nobody loves you enough to give you a, a nice home to eat in and, and kind of channel those feelings. And she almost started crying. It was really, really cool mm-hmm. how she just let her emotions go in, in that video. And she kind of sitting there like, I don't know what to do, you know, and, and then she gets a knock on the door in the video and she goes to the door and she opens it up and there's a, a bag of a Christmas goodies and an invitation in it, you know, and it just changes her whole mood. She can now have hot chocolate. She can have the little things in her barracks room and then she's got an invitation to go to church and to the chapel and have a huge feast with families and be welcomed in, you know, and, and sometimes they find God in the Catholic church. Sometimes they find God having not known about him before. And sometimes they, know about him they're a little weak and then they come to the chapel and see the vibrant community we have and plug themselves into that and so that's what we've, that's what we've done over the years uh in fact we're having it done to us because we have an empty house because we're pcsing and so a family invited us over for thanksgiving dinner in a, in a, a couple of days 
to feast with them. And so we're kind of getting it done to us now. So it's kind of weird to have that done because I, I feel very humbled because I don't expect that from people, you know, it's so it's very much a surprise. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've done uh, for the soldiers here, the single soldiers to take care of them. You brought up a great word in invitation. Dave Imhoff and I had just attended a, a, a conference down in New Haven, Connecticut for the Knights of Columbus. And that, that was a big, big part of, the, of that conference was inviting people to to be a part. Right, Dave? Yep. He's a man of many words. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a few comments. Uh, I would love to hear. I would love to hear your comments, Dave. I would too. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, there's two I, guys kind of um, touched on this second sense uh, of Advent. Um, oh, it, you know, it's a, a period of waiting and a period of preparation. And you know, you, you nailed the we're waiting for the incarnation. But the other sense uh, that's just as important, I think, is waiting for the second coming and preparing for the second coming and the judgment. And you look at the uh, liturgical year, you know, of course, Advent's the first is the beginning of the new liturgical year. And it goes through the whole thing and ends with, in November, with an examination of the end of times and also the, uh, and then finally, Christ the King, the, the solemnity of Christ the King and, you know, um, you know, uh, the kingdom, you know, which is the goal. Um, so, yeah, so Advent, we're, we're also preparing our, ourselves and getting ready. Uh, you know, I think the first gospel uh, in Advent says, you know, always be, always be prepared because you don't know the hour when the summer, Son of Man will come. So we, we need to, you know, and all this, what you guys said, you know, all the, uh, this penitential uh, you know, things, the the uh, charity that you do and, and all that is all about preparing yourself uh, as well. And last thing is we got to make sure you also, you were uh, alluding to this as well. We got to put God first, right? That's, that's, we, we, how do you say it? I'll um, misordered the disordered passions. I think uh, Joe, we need to keep God first. It's great to enjoy the goods of the world and and whatnot but uh have to do it with moderation and always keeping god first amen um you brought up something dave emhoff that uh made me kind of to be prepared and i just noticed i was kind of reading the parable of the ten bridesmaids again because there's something about that that joe made me think of and i had to find it so we're supposed to give of ourselves we're supposed to serve others and help kind of spread the gospel right but the sobering fact is there's a time where that's going to cut off and people are going to be caught with their pants down sometimes literally. And I I didn't, I forgot that was in there, but it's scary actually that at some point there was a, it says, behold, there was a, the bridegroom come out to meet him. There was a cry. Then all those maidens rose and trimmed their lamps. They had prepared. And the foolish said to the wise, Hey, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. And they said, basically, no, there's not enough for us and for you. It sounds kind of selfish, but it's really not. They did the preparation, they did the work, which, sorry to rag on Protestants a little bit, but I mean, there is work involved with salvation, you know, with faith, you have to do the work. I mean, going back to the simple answer for Protestants, not to segue, or I mean, uh, digress too much, but if they say there's no works involved in salvation, well, then how do you call out back to God who started the faith journey for you by calling you? You have to respond. So anyway, but I just read that and I thought, there's a time where we're going to probably have to say no to people. I can't give you ABC because there's not enough for you and my family. Sorry. They're going to be like, Hey, you're a Christian. You're supposed to be giving, you know, sorry, that's run out. And Jesus will eventually, unfortunately have to be like, sorry, this is it. And you've made your decision. You've made your eternal choice and that's it. And yeah. Yeah. The gospel. Scary. The gospel uh, about uh, the sort of the, the prophecy that Jesus is trying to uh, tell the Jews, hey, woe unto you. In Luke's gospel, I was reading it today, as a matter of fact, woe unto you. The destruction is coming because you you would not recognize, you would not accept the time of your visitation. And it's a two-for-one special. It's both the destruction of Jerusalem, which if you've ever read Josephus's account of the destruction of Jerusalem— you ought to go Google it. Jewish Wars it's by amazing. Josephus. It'll blow your mind. The guy was, 
he was uh, he was taken in by the Roman army. He became a, a sort of a consultant to the to the general, and uh, he was used to try to negotiate with the Jews who were locked up in the walls. Which, by the way, they waited until Passion until Passion Week, basically you know Passover, so that the city would be swelled to full. So you had over a million people inside the walls, and then uh, then they surrounded it. They saw angels in in arrayed for battle in the sky. Many witnesses could see angels arrayed for battle, chariots and and everything in the clouds in the sky. Uh, there were many things that were going on that were truly apocalyptic, and of course. Uh, they starved themselves to the point where they, uh, you know, in a, uh, they did cannibalism. They were selling and eating their own children. And then uh, when the uh, Roman army actually got inside of the walls, they, they slaughtered hundreds of thousands. They carried away 70,000 slaves. In fact, uh, it would be a, over a century later, the Romans would be complaining that there were so many Jewish servants in the city. It was all from their being hauled off, and the city was utterly, utterly destroyed. Jews would not be allowed back into the city. They would be rebuilt there uh, and given a new title under Emperor Adrian, and they would uh, they would pay to see it from afar off for centuries. They were never allowed back there, and that destruction is a taste of the final judgment. And uh, I remember my priest preaching on this during the Feast of Christ the King, and he said, uh, you're not going to miss the second coming, trust me. It's not going to be like, oh, hey, that happened? Really? Oh, man, I was at the store. Darn it, I missed it. Because don't worry, you're going to be there. You're going to. You're not going to miss it. If you live long enough to be there, it's going to be very obvious because uh, the whole earth, the, the entire universe, just like every single person has to go through the purgative fires. Uh, St. Paul describes that as the, you know, the wood, hay, stubble that gets burned. Only that which is precious is left over, the gold, the silver, the precious jewels. So whatever we have that is holy and good, that is what's left over after we go through the purgative fires. For some of us, there's going to be very little of us left. But praise be to God, whatever's left gets to make it to heaven because nothing impure can enter heaven, as Revelation 21, 27 says. But uh, for some of us also, like those, t those five virgins out of the ten who did not have oil for their lamps, they don't make it in at all. Nothing is left over. And they're banging on the door. Lord, Lord, let us in. I, I do not know you. I mean, could you imagine being looking our Lord in the eye and hearing him look look back at us and hearing him say to us, depart from me, for I do not know you. Like that in and of itself has got to feel like hell. I mean, that is such, such a soul-crushing thing to realize that the, t the clock is ticking and there's going to come a moment when the music stops and not everybody's going to get a chair. So we better prepare. We better get ourselves ready. And it's the same reason you said memento mori. That's exactly the point, you know, uh, preparing like for a feast of uh, all souls. You know, we look at, we remind ourselves of death. We remind ourselves of our mortality. We prepare ourselves well. And every single human person is given the same opportunities and chances. But not every single human person is going to prepare well for the coming of our Lord, which as... Uh, as you pointed out, is both a joy in the incarnation of Christ, but also a foreshadowing, a hint, a, a reminder of the second coming, which is not coming in mercy, but rather coming in justice and judgment, which is a mercy to itself, actually. We give God what is due to him, and it should be ourselves. We should be giving him completely ourselves in adoration. So Advent, Advent is a work of mercy in the sense that it's a reminder. It's that time to stop, pause, reflect, contemplate, prepare, do penance. I mean, if we're honest, how, like, we have to almost be forced. The church has to force us to do penance because even though we could do penance on every other day of the year, we don't. I mean, let's just be honest. Most of us aren't, uh, myself included. I'm, you know, I'm not acting in the way that I ought to. So Advent is, uh, is, a, is a grace in that sense. It's like, okay, guys, come on now. Let's all gather around, you know, let's, uh, mm -hmm. let's do something to, to be penitential. Let's, you know, it could be eat less, put a pebble in your shoe, pray more. I mean, just like Lent, we can have a game plan for penance. And the best, I th in my opinion, the best place to go and to contemplate that is to go to adoration and ask our Lord, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do this Advent? What's not, what's, uh, what do you think I ought to focus on? What, what penances ought I to 
to uh, practice this holy season. Joe, do you have a tradition that you pass on during this, this season? Uh, tradition that I pass on? Uh, well, with the traditions we pass on, we pass on mostly to our children. And uh, there's some of the ones I've already mentioned here. So, you know, uh, we, we, we really celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas, and we keep St. Nicholas in our, our traditional family practice all Advent long, especially going into Christmas. There's, uh, there's things that we do, uh, uh, not just go visit uh, or dress up like St. Nicholas, but we, we have a, a special icon that was made for us uh, for St. Nicholas. And then, of course, there's the traditional, um, you know, putting uh, golden coins, they're chocolates, but golden coins in the, in the shoes out in front of the house, along with the, the oranges, we put those out there. And then, um, and then we have traditions like we read uh, we have uh, like a calendar with little tiny books that have uh, different reading because you got the Joshua tree a tradition, which we do as well. You know, it's the, it's the story of salvation history, which is one of my favorite things to talk about when I talk about sacred scripture is to go back through the, the story of salvation history from Adam and Eve, from creation, all the way until the coming of Christ. And every Advent, the church puts that in front of us as well. Mm -hmm. So we get to do that with our kids. So we do that through our Joshua tree. We do that through our little Advent uh, calendar books. And, uh, and of course, preparing every Sunday by reading and reflecting in the, in the gospel for, for Holy Mass. Now, I'm blessed. I get to get up early to do radio every day. So I look at the gospel every single day. And I, that's something I offer my audience is a reflection on the gospel. And I always use the early church fathers. So that's another tradition I try to pass on to my children. But to anybody I encounter is the depth and richness of Holy Mother Church, her patrimony, her tradition. Tradition itself, uh, in today's Catholic world, when we say the word tradition, we tend to think of just the Mass, the traditional Latin Mass versus the Novus Ordo Mass. And uh, really, that's not where you should be thinking. You should be thinking greater than that, bigger than that, the traditions of Holy Mother Church that go back millennia. And uh, when it comes to Advent, they do go back. They go back a very long way into ancient times when parts of the church began to prepare for the uh, holy season of, of Christmas. Uh, December the 25th is very specific. It's not an arbitrary date. There's incredible evidence behind that day uh, that uh, would give us to celebrate the incarnation of Christ on December the 25th. And then there were different traditions in different parts in the East and in the West to prepare for that day. And they developed over the first 500 years of Holy Mother Church. So going back to those times and studying what did those Christians do during those times, that's a great chance. It's a great thing to do, uh, for, especially for families, to, uh, to allow our children to see and breathe the tradition of the church in every season of life, especially in Advent. Now, one of the things we've done is uh, you guys remember the sound of music, of course, right? Like mm -hmm. the sound of music, the classic sound of music. By the way, pro-level tip, there was a movie made before the Julie Andrews movie. So before the famous Sound of Music that we all know and love, yep. there was an original version. It was in German, and it is fantastic. You can find it on YouTube and uh, really very good. Comes in English subtitles. It's definitely worth watching. My kids loved it. Um, and the Julie Andrews film followed it closely. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Maria von Trapp, who's that movie is uh, sort of focused around uh, the life of Maria von Trapp. She was a very committed Catholic woman. She absolutely was on fire for the faith. And I think she embodies, she encapsulates this idea of tradition better than almost anybody I know. And uh, she, there's a book that Sophie Institute Press has published, republished. It's been published by a number of people because uh, it was uh, out of print for so many, so many years now that uh, Maria von Tropp has passed. Uh, it's called uh, um, uh, Around the Year with Maria von Tropp. And uh, when you go through this book, you realize just how much she lived in her family with her kids and her husband in their home out of their home, everywhere they went, lived and breathed the traditions of the church. And they embraced these seasons. They embraced these seasons. And it wasn't just something they did at church. It was something they did uh, as part of their life, their family life. So 
as as uh, as families, we get to do the same thing. We can we can go back and we can uh, make use of the traditions of Holy Mother Church. In her case, she had traditions that were specific to Austria, where she's from. So uh, you know uh, the Chris Kringle thing, for instance. Um, and so they would do some of those, and then they would have specialty foods, and that's great. Praise be to God. So what are those traditions that are specific to your culture, but also with the whole with with the church? You know, and that's, I think, a fantastic thing because, frankly, my kids are going to remember this stuff. I mean, they're at my wife's funeral. This is what they're going to be talking about, all the traditions that my wife has put together uh, for them and uh, we have done as a family. So so there's lots of things we do. And like I said, we do the, the charitable works. We kind of do something similar to you, Jay. And that every year we pick a like a, a, a someone's home here in our neighborhood, somebody we you know maybe new, they're new here or whatever, and we make a Christmas stocking for them, and then we secretly place it on their door, and yeah, uh, cool. and then yeah, and then they find it. Now the problem is, you know, everybody's got one of these phone, these Zoom, these cameras, <laughs> you know, the ring do- doorbell ring cameras, so it's it's getting harder to be ninja like and sneak up on them. And then of course <laughs> I live in Texas, and uh, it could be a very dangerous prospect to be sneaking up on people's houses in the state of Texas at nighttime. Okay, because everybody's packing heat here uh but nonetheless we try to uh we try to every year find a place to sneak up and put a new stocking on and we I mean, the idea is we don't want them to ever know it's us so you just you know it's supposed to be just a a pure blessing for them and uh and what a grace just you know it's just think about it as opportunity there's no greater love than for a, for a friend to lay down his life for a friend and you know you know sneaking up on somebody's door in texas could be a, like J- <laughs> joe said a Life, could be dangerous. Life threatening. <laughs> yeah. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Uh, but then you'd be a saint. So yeah, then uh, you get to he be already a is. He already is. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> no, I we did the leaving socks on people's doors amongst the homeschool group. All the parents and stuff would get together. And I actually had to tell this is kind of funny. I had to tell the military police at the Marine Corps base, hey, my <laughs> sons are gonna be like in a hood so they don't see who he is on their camera. And we're gonna. This is what we're doing. And they're like, "You're good. We won't shoot you." <laughs> so, so my That's my great. son is 14. He's running through the lawns of people's houses like a ninja. Like if you see him, you'd be like, "Dude, shoot that guy!" Yeah, he's exactly. Kill <laughs> yeah. He's like, dun, 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 yeah. Dun, and he's like leaving the sock and rang the doorbell or knocked on the door, ring the doorbell and ran yeah. as fast as he could. And they have like. I think seven kids and they're all old enough to run fast and they all like poured out like ants out of a hill. Like, wow. where's he at? Where's he at? I mean, they were ready and they chased him down. They didn't see him. He got away barely. <laughs> and we're sitting down two blocks in the van, like a getaway van. Right. He jumps in. He's like, go, go, go. And we screech <laughs> out of there. <laughs> it was awesome. That's so cool. Wow. What an uh, adventure. We, Praise be to God. Yeah. And we, uh, we celebrate a lot, you know, we have St. Martin's Day on November 11th. We do uh, cabbage, uh, potatoes, and a meat. And we try to um, think who, who we can give something to. Like, we get rid of some things that don't fit us anymore to give our cloak, you know, to somebody else. And that's, that's kind of when it starts for the kids. They're like, oh, St. Nicholas Day is coming, you know? And the older kids get it. But my daughter still, she's starting to ask questions. She's eight. And she's like, is there really a St. Nicholas? And we're like, Yes. Well, does he really leave things for me? And we're like, that's what he did traditionally. We don't want to lie to her, but right. to skirt the question, you know, he yeah. did that traditionally. So, yeah. you know, and so we leave the oranges and the gold chocolate coins. And uh, yeah. yeah, we uh, we also watch a documentary film on the life of uh, Bishop Nicholas uh, yes. as well every year. So it's. You know, I love the saints. That's one of my favorite things to do. Whenever I travel and speak, uh, I always tell the story of stories of the saints. And I, I particularly love to tell stories of saints that I think they may have never have heard of. I think that's even cooler. Um, and uh, I'm always surprised at how little people know about St. Nicholas. I mean, obviously, he's yeah. St. Nicholas. Uh, so you'd think everybody would know more about him. But, uh, you know, like the fact that, uh, it, you know, Italians stole his bones from the Greeks, you know, so they could have their own pilgrimage uh, site in the West, you know. So cool stories about this incredible saint that most people don't know about. Joe, why don't we hang out more besides the geography? <laughs> Where, are you still in Hawaii? Yeah, we are for a couple more weeks. Then we move you, back to Colorado. Going, oh, wow, I'm jealous. Yeah. Colorado's beautiful. Praise be to God. I'll be uh, down the street from the uh, the uh, Mount Augustine Institute. What is that? 
there's an institute there. Dr. Uh, Dr. Sri works there. Is it yeah, the it's Institute? still the Augustine Institute. Yeah, yeah. Edward Sri works at the Augustine Institute. Great place. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I often reflect. I was talking about this this weekend. In fact, I had uh, an opportunity to go to Florida and be with my uh, my grandparents and my dad. My dad gifted me a watch. My grandfather was sitting next to me, but my dad is the one who gifted it to me. Uh, the pocket watch that belonged to not only my grandfather, but my grandfather's uh, father. And uh, so it's a family heirloom that's not been passed down to me. And I will, I will of course, pass it down to one of my sons. Uh, praise be to God. Yeah. But uh, we were talking and, and sharing, and that was such a special moment for me. And they asked me about my time in Hawaii when I was in the Marine Corps. And one of the things I talked about was how I squandered that chance, squandered that my time there. I was when I was serving in the Marine Corps, I, I was too busy uh, making terrible decisions in life. I was making very immoral decisions. And uh, I had an opportunity. I could have kept my nose to the grindstone. I could have served my country with great integrity and honor, but I chose to instead serve myself. And, uh, you know, just in the little things, the practical things, right? So not only did I not have a moral compass, not only did I not have, was I not living in a state of grace and living for God, first and foremost, giving God what is due to him, let alone giving my country what is due to my country. But I was also just uh, not doing the practical things too. I went scuba diving when I was there. And I, you know, and I sit here today going, think like I lived in Hawaii. Like how many people get a chance to live in Hawaii? It's so beautiful. And I could have, I could have hiked the mountains. I could have, I could have uh, gone and done so many more incredible and beautiful things. Uh, you know, wreck diving. I wanted to wreck dive. I never did wreck diving. I did, I did cave diving, but that was it. You know, and it's just, and you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of like this thing that we have to constantly remind ourselves, like you may never get this chance again. You really do need to take advantage while you have breath in your lungs to do that thing, that incredible thing, because you will only be left with regret later. And uh, although God has blessed me ever, you know, since to do beautiful and amazing things. And I've tried to take advantage when I've had those chances you know, when's the next time I'm going to get a chance to go scuba diving in a cave in in uh, in Hawaii? I may never get that chance again. I could have done more of it, and I didn't. Similarly, like we're talking tonight with the theme of Advent, Holy Season of Christmas. You know, we can't we can't squander our chance, our opportunity to prepare well, to reconcile to God, to not only just be reconciled. Like that's almost like a, a minimum standard. We want to go above and beyond. We want to serve with great integrity and an opportunity. So not just reconcile, but reconcile and then grow in grace and in perfection because only saints make it to heaven. Only saints make it to heaven. And, uh, and, and usually when I give parish missions, and I just gave a parish mission up in New Hampshire, it's a, a series I call The Radical Choice. And during my talks, I will, I will, I will ask people for a show of hands, how many people in the room have asked God specifically, intentionally to make them a saint? Lord, please make me a saint. So St. Therese of Lisieux, she asked to be made a saint, not just make it to heaven. I mean, we all want to make it to heaven, and everybody in heaven is a saint, praise be to God. But she wanted to go above, above that. She wanted to go beyond that. She wanted to be St. Therese of Lisieux, and she asked God to make her a saint. And how many of us have ever asked God, please, Lord, make me a saint? It's kind of like all in. It's like one of my uh, one of my favorite characters in history is Hernan Cortez, the conquistador who who uh, destroyed Satan himself in Mexico in 1519. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, who for all of his foibles in his earlier years as a soldier in the 20s, in uh, in uh, in the first expeditions. By the time he's in his 30s and he's leading the expedition into Mexico, he is a guy who is resolute to convert souls. Gold was not his goal. It was the conversion of these people primarily. Secondarily, it was to support the kingdom back home that could support the Crusades and the Reconquista of Spain, of course. But he recognized that his adversary in Mexico was, was Satan himself. Uh, the hummingbird wizard was the name of their god whom they offered multiple hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices to. And he determined himself, although he was outnumbered 300 to 1, 
he determined himself to utterly destroy Satan there. And he did. He accomplished that goal. Praise be to God with the grace of God and Our Lady. And it just reminds us that no matter like, because he had a rocky past. He did some pretty shady tree stuff in his 20s. And kind of like me, and uh, but there's still, but there's always a chance. You got breath in your lungs. Today's a new day, so take advantage. Don't waste your opportunity. You know, uh, make a plan, stick to your plan, and get after it. And I think Hernan, uh, his life is a testimony to that. You know, and I think that we have that opportunity every single Advent. We have that opportunity to go. You know what? All right, there's a lot of regret, but today I have this chance, and let's yeah. take advantage. Thank you, yeah. Joe. Jay, you got anything else you want to say? Well, I, I yeah, I just want to, I can feel like um, it's all about, like you said, Joe, preparation, but also to remember the regrets and know that, hey, I'm still alive. I still have breath in me. And now's the time to change. And that's what I love about the church is that she, like, I'm not going to pick on Protestants. Okay, I'm going to pick on Protestants one more time. <laughs> um, you get saved. And you get plugged into a church, but then, and you can find your friends and your little cliques you're a part of and your groups and you hear the pastor every Sunday or whenever you go, but there's not a special call several times a year through the sacraments to change your life and get your head out of your rear and start living like a, a good, in our case, an awesome, holy Catholic man. And Advent is that thing that happens. That's like, Hey, what are you doing, man? Come on, come on, Jason, get your head where it's supposed to be and start living that holy life. And now's the time. And I think, oh, I could, I could have done this this summer and this, this summer. Well, now's the time to make the, the alarms go off in your phone next summer to not forget the things you want to do. Now's the time to start praying more in the rosary. And granted, we're in a very big transition right now with moving. And so it's sometimes we do rosaries and everybody's just the whole time, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, what's better to fall asleep to than the rosary? You know, my kids, I used to get upset with them. And then I thought, no, what's the best thing for them to fall asleep to is us doing the rosary to them. That's the last thing they hear before they travel off to excellent dreams, you know? And so we try to do a rosary once a night right now. It's really tough, but uh, with the move, but we are trying. And so that's, I guess that's my point is to see the regrets and know that we still have life enough to do, make some changes and do some things, but then to prepare for the incarnation prepare for the next, the upcoming year and what's going to happen in our lives and, and what we can do differently. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Guys, our schedule is, uh, it's kind of tight this evening. I want to thank each of you for coming here. Joe McLean, honestly, man, whenever anybody says Jesus first, I automatically think of Joe McLean. I really do. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you gave us the last time you were on here, you gave us a great teaching on putting Jesus first in our lives and I really do appreciate uh, all the all the talks that you and I have had. I really honestly wish that we could get some sort of a parish mission or some kind of conference that would bring you up to Connecticut. You are a treasure to our Catholic faith. And oh, I'm grateful. God love you. Guadalupe, Thank you. Guadalupe Radio Network is so lucky to have you. Please, please. Well, God bless you, brother. Stay in touch, Joe. And, Amen. Uh, Jay, thank you for coming in and, and co-hosting with me tonight. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. I just want to say Jay Goodman is the host of the podcast Conversation with a Good... No, Talking with a Good Man. I did that I did that the first time you were on. <laughs> Talking with a Good so Man. Good. It's a great podcast. I hope you'll check it out. It's on uh, Spotify and all, all any place you can you can get your podcasts. But uh Jay, thanks for thanks for joining us. Dave, my honor, my pleasure. Thank Dave. you, man. Dave Imhoff, thanks. So, for my guest, Joe McLean, my sitting-in co-host, Jay Goodman, always my producer, Dave Imhoff, I'm down the hall, Dave, always praying that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless.